Welcome back to another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And Kevin is not one to shy away from controversial topics. So today he is here to talk about three books where it really discusses the intersection of politics and religion. So which one do you want to start with first or do you want to say do you what have a all plan three for are? Today? I don't. No. I have no plan because it's so much fun to come in here and, and talk to y'all because it's just so easy to do that. And as we talked in the beginning, people normally say two things you ought to shy away from in conversations is politics and religion, mm -hmm. because those are things that people, they're lightning rod topics and yeah. people can feel very strongly for or against anything. So what happens when you take both of those topics purposely and throw them together, the impact of religion on politics mm -hmm. and whether that's a force, whether you need that force. I just thought it'd be interesting for us to yeah. kick around for a while. Yeah. And, and you've got like a little um, you had. Well, you pick some up a little wall of books around you, which was very fun to see how many you brought for the yeah. for the podcast. Yeah. We yeah, love I, preparation. I, I love reading. I mean, and now that yeah. I'm retired, um, I'm getting a fair amount of that in there. So, yeah, there's uh, <laughs> there's so much stuff to be gleaned that's out there. And so I'm going to concentrate on two of them. I'll yeah. throw in a third one that just by happenstance uh, on a late vacation, you know, I, I, I touched on as well. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mainly want to talk about the two books. George W. Bush wrote a book called A Man of Faith. Mm -hmm. And Mike Pence wrote a book called So Help Me God. Very different styles in the two books. One was a president, one was a vice president. But certainly dealing with what they dealt at the highest level of government mm -hmm. in the most powerful nation in the free world, an interesting backdrop to whether faith-based thoughts have a place. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're very different. Like even just looking at them, Mike Pence's book is very big <laughs> compared to compared he's to second only book. to Bonhoeffer. I always compare everything to Bonhoeffer because that was like eight hundred pages. That's is my scale. Like seventy five percent of a Bonhoeffer, yeah. one and a half Bonhoeffers. <laughs> yeah, Pence's is over five hundred pages. So yeah, yeah. There's some meat in Pence, but so many people I think will buy Pence's book to try to understand the relationship between Pence and. <coughs> I have to get some water. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, go no, go get You're it. Good. We'll cut all y'all cut all that stuff. Yeah. Out. Oh. Did you want to stop it? You can cough. It's okay. Let yeah. it out. Don't. Don't explode. <laughs> she I was, was trying not to cough, and I was like, "You're just gonna choke." Oh no. Yeah. That's always yeah, I was going to ask her before we started how she was feeling, because I know she was. I think every so often she gets a little tickle in her throat, and I understand when I I got like. I think that the doctor said they thought it was RSV, but they're like, yeah, there's no reason to test for it. We'll just give you like, you're not that bad that we would have to know exactly what's wrong with you. Um, but that would happen to me. I lost my voice. And then for like two weeks after I could just breathe in wrong and I would just start coughing again, especially if it was like very um, dry in the room. Yeah. And I, I just I would like start coughing that I'd look around and I'm like, I'm not so sick. I promise. <laughs> well, Mary sorry. coming back out of California and she mm -hmm. started to feel poorly right at the end. And then when yeah. she got back, can you open the door? She Thank got you. what what seemed like a cold. <laughs> yeah. But like Leslie, it developed into mm -hmm. this huge coughing thing. And last yeah. night, all night long. She's all night long. Ugh. She's doing that. And I'm in God. a different room now trying to make sure we don't. Yeah. Especially with mom, we have to be real careful of yeah. what's going on in the house. And 
she is horrible at taking care of herself. Horrible. She will not go to a doctor. She <laughs> and, and until lately, she was rarely ever sick. Yeah. Me, especially at 65, I try and jump on stuff pretty quick. Oh, and if yeah. I can't knock it out by over-medicating, then I go to a doctor. <laughs> I'm pretty good about that. She's horrible. And I finally walked in, got a bed, and I said, I'm not listening to it. We're going to the doctor. Well, I haven't been in, and I don't know how. Figure it out. Get on the phone. And it's just, you know, you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. You can't care so little post-COVID or not. Yeah. So fascinating that in our local hospital, and I don't think they're connected to our normal physician, but there was, <laughs> by calling him, they somehow told her about this same-day appointment. Oh, okay. Which I'd never heard of. Yeah. She called them and they said, yeah, we have an appointment in 40 minutes. Come on in. So I'm thinking, okay, this is going to look like the VA. There's going to be a thousand people there. Yeah. Okay. The waiting room was small, probably smaller than this room. Oh, my god. Nobody gosh. was in it. Very nice lady. Mm-hmm. Took us right back. Nurse came in, did her stuff. Doctor came in, did her stuff, gave us the prescription, mm-hmm. went to... Uh, Walgreens on 146 had mm-hmm. to get it filled. Yeah, you know, wait till that was done and all that. And we were home total from the time that we left there in an hour and ten minutes. Dang. Wow! And I told Mary, I said, "Stop it! Now and you have no you excuse have no not excuse. to go to the doctor." And if I have to drag you, I will. I said, "I want you around for a long time. Yeah. You have to." Ta- we're 62 and 65. You have to take care of yourself. And there's also no reason to suffer if you don't have to. No. I'm She'll like just, that. I'll go to the doctor for anything. I'm just like, feel tired for too long. I'm just like, doctor. <laughs> and yeah. I have gone to the doctor, by the way. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you before we started how you were doing. Mostly good. I feel like I'm at the tail end of this. I just once in a while will get a coughing fit, which mm-hmm. was very unfortunately timed. So, it, I mean, it makes sense, though. You're talking a lot. Mm-hmm. That's yep. generally when the coughing happens. Yep. No, do what you have to do. You know yeah. how to cut that stuff out, and we'll pause. Well, and... I've got now my... you get to have my whole conversation <laughs> yeah, that we had while you that. were. No, it's okay. It'll be just very funny. Uh, you can you can look through and just and be like a fly on the wall in the room when you were gone. <laughs> yeah. I'll see all the things y'all were saying about me. That's right. You left, and we were just like, "Ugh, Leslie, right?" <laughs> She's making that shit up. Yeah, she just coughs for fun. <laughs> all right, so back to Bonhoeffer. No, we're not going to talk off. about Bonhoeffer. Oh, okay. No, that no, was just no, the, no, the joke about mentioning it. No, yeah. where we were was we were kind of talking about the Mike Pence book, So Help yes. Me God, which I think most people will wonder, regardless of what side of President Trump you're on, which is another polarizing topic, as to how did these two guys even get along? I mean, mm-hmm. what what could have possibly... because most people will agree whether you like Trump or not. He doesn't listen to handlers. He does what he wants to do. He made the office of the presidency too accessible because the need to constantly be on social media and mm-hmm. Twitter and all that stuff, which I think most people would say the president at that level should not be that accessible. So I think it's interesting to say, you know, what did this guy from Indiana have in common with, mm-hmm. with Trump. So I think a lot of people might buy that book just to kind of see that out. And really, that's what Mike Pence does in his book. Yeah. Is he talks about his role in Congress because mm-hmm. he was in Congress first, had a couple of losses. So it's always good when you talk to politicians about, you know, you can never succeed unless you know how to lose. And so he lost a couple of times and then he had this run in Congress. And then he went back to be the governor of Indiana. 
and then he becomes vice president for Trump. Yeah. So very, very different kind of guys. And Mike Pence comes on very, very strong in his book. His faith and his family are the absolute foundation and cornerstone for everything he does. Mm -hmm. So he talks about Congress. He talks about his time as governor. He talks about vice president. He talks about many things, roles, missions, responsibilities, and all of those things. But he is constantly talking about the amount of praying that he and his family does before everything, mm -hmm. how he is eliciting what it is that he should be doing. His need to do what's right is overwhelming. His love of the Constitution and to do what the Constitution says is overwhelming to him. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how he sets the stage. Of course, the book ends where everybody would want it to end is January 6th and the riot on the Capitol. What was his role? What was the relationship with he and President Trump at the time? And then, you know, how did it end after that? Mm -hmm. So did you see, because we know that with January 6th, there were quite a few tensions to understate it between Trump and Pence. Did you see like a buildup before that point where there were disagreements about how things should be handled? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, with Trump, as long as you're agreeing with him, he's he's fine. And when you're not agreeing with him, he's pushing you to agree with him or he's putting words in your mouth that says you agree with him or he fires you. Mm -hmm. So you definitely see that in the later stages of the book. So it appears that most of their time together in the administration was very amicable. He has a huge role in COVID in the COVID task force. He is used a lot overseas, which is not unusual for vice presidents. But in terms of where a lot of times you don't see or hear from the vice president, he was pretty visible and Trump used him for a lot of things. So I would say their relationship was truly an honest friendship. They respected each other. They respected each other's families and the families got along well. Uh, there were differences and Pence was always praying for him. I mean, all through the administration, he would be telling President Trump, I'm praying for you and blah, blah, blah. To your question, leading up to the, the riot, obviously, Trump is trying to get Pence to overturn the election, send the vote back in certain states for a revote so that they could win. And Pence tells him all along, the Constitution does not allow him that authority. No vice president has ever taken that authority. His role is mainly ceremonial. But there is a way of objecting. But the objecting is done not from the vice president, but from the citizens representation. So the vote is the power of the people, the people of elected representatives. It is those people that have to object. And then there's a debate and a discussion the representatives decide, Congress decides, and on we go. So Pence was telling him all along, there's a way of doing it. It's not me, the vice president. I will allow, if Congress correctly has an objection, someone who sponsors the objection, the debate. And then they have to get through all that. That was not good enough for President Trump. Mm. Too many other people involved in the decision. 
And probably he wanted a fast track, is my guess. He does. Yeah. He, he he wanted a fast track. And and Trump so often gets his way, has a lot of money, has a huge ego. He wanted to push Pence into this. Now, the interesting part in the lead up, you can clearly see the relationship they have. You can clearly see Pence's faith, his family and everything. So I think Trump knows that and respects that. But the Trump just operates where I'm going to make you do what I want you to do. I'm going to call you a wimp. Mike, if you don't do it, the whole country's going to think you're a wimp. You're going to blow this. He's going to needle and push Mike Pence to do what he wants him to do. And it is Mike Pence's grounded faith that he will not do that. And I think Trump, for as much as he might have known Pence, I think he underscored how strong Mike Pence's faith was. He was not going to push him to do something like that. Yeah. And, oh gosh. Oh no. I did that thing where I was like, yes, I have a question. And then I opened my mouth and I was like, I can, I can ask one while you want to think about it. Yes, um, thank you. Does Mike Pence talk about like receiving any death threats or anything in the immediate aftermath? Yeah. Um, in fact, you probably know as the riders are coming through and he's very strong in the moment. So as the riders are coming and he's notified, they suspend the actions going on and he just moves to a ceremonial room right outside where they're operating. He's not going to leave the building. He felt very strongly that this aggression is not going to keep them from doing their work and it's not going to run me out of here. They're not going to see me driving away in a motorcade, speeding away from this danger. He was very strong on that. So his wife and his daughter are with them in the side room. And as they get very close, the rioters, to the chamber, um, the Secret Service says, no, you have to go. And he says, where can I go in the building? I'm not leaving the building. And they said, we can go down to the loading dock down by the garage. So they go to the basement and he makes a point of saying that he and his wife and his daughter walk very slowly. He is not going to in any way look like he's panicked in front of the rioters. And he doesn't. They get down to the garage and he notices that all the limousines are pointed out, ready to go and leave the building. The doors are open and he turns and looks at the Secret Service and he says, I am not getting in that car. If you think I'm that dumb, as soon as I get in the car, they speed away. I told you I'm not leaving this building. So with that, he holds shop down in the garage. He's communicating to other people. There are threats. The rioters are calling him by name because Trump earlier in the day had held a rally and he told everybody, Mike Pence is going to do the right thing. We're going to win the election if he doesn't, he's a wimp. It was that normal rhetoric. Right. Mm -hmm. So any debate that he wasn't part of the riot is silly because he instigated that. He didn't have mm -hmm. to be charging in with the people. He created the environment that had people doing that. And the people came in the building, some of which were yelling Mike Pence's name. They were coming after Mike Pence. So during it, not just after it, yes, many, many death threats. And you said that his faith being so strong was what helped him in those difficult moments. Is there any way that 
his faith changed when he started taking up office, like as a mayor, a congressman? Um, is there anything that he did to make sure he stayed grounded like that? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, I'm a person of faith and I would say that there's an evolution mm -hmm. of faith, you know, that which you know, that which you can research. Faith so much is believing that which you can't prove mm -hmm. to begin with. So everyone's walk, I would say, is different. Mm -hmm. Mine as a Christian is about finding that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where it's not about the rules of the church. And mm -hmm. Jesus spoke against the rules of the church. So it's not about religion. Mm -hmm. It's about it's not a building. It's about a personal relationship. And in both of these individuals, Bush and Pence, have that personal relationship very early on. Yeah. So of the two, I see more of the evolution in George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. Mike Pence seems to me, at least as is expressed in the book, to have been totally grounded mm -hmm. throughout. Before all of that. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I imagine it's harder once your life becomes more public to stay grounded. Like sure. once you start in some ways belonging to, especially at the office of vice president, the entirety of the country, it's a lot harder to separate like your personal life and your personal faith from like the whole of your duty. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was just wondering if you saw that and, and anywhere, but um, I am interested to see since you said that you can see more of that journey in the other book, yeah. what kind of journey that is um, so for someone in politics. W's book, A Man of Faith, and, and I'll just say W because he and I are such close <laughs> friends. Because you're, you're good friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, good, we're good friends. We served together in the military. So much of his presidency in my military career was predominantly Reagan, Bush Sr., another guy, and George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. Um and I retired when George W. Bush was president. So I, I was working at the Pentagon and doing some work post 9-11. So I saw his strength and conviction during 9-11. I saw him with the troops downrange deployed. And, you know, there's a lot of people and he took a lot of criticism for not being able to do a scripted speech. And people called him a dummy and a, a buffoon. You know, first of all, in my opinion, you can't be the president and be a dummy or a buffoon. I mean, that's it takes a certain amount of you got to fool a lot of people to yeah, make it there. Yeah, I don't think you're going to fool that many. <laughs> um, but he wasn't a scripted speech mm -hmm. writer. But from the heart, where I've seen him speak to the troops and in 9 11, extraordinary, extraordinary mm -hmm. leader. So between the two books, A Man of Faith, George W. Bush, kind of chronicles his growing up as well. So you see a okay. younger Bush, which you don't see in the Pence book. Yeah. And you see him trying to find his way. They make it very clear that he doesn't have a way through college. I mean, mm -hmm. what he's known for is an incredible wit and an incredible photographic memory. He could always remember people's names. The first time that he went to college... And he was at a, a rush for a fraternity. There was 54 people that were there. And afterwards, they've got all the pledges in one place. And he seemed to be answering all the questions correctly. And so somebody just said, well, if you're that smart, name all 54 people that were here tonight. And he did. <laughs> wow. So 
he's his intellect is off the charts. So, but it's very clear in the book he's struggling. He's not finding his mm-hmm. way. When he owns the baseball team and with the Rangers, he's starting to find his way. Uh, he was a smoker, dipped snuff, drank, and it chronicles all of that. So things that we can all relate to high school, college days, and those kind of things, very open mm-hmm. about all of that. Um, profanity, very open about all that. And he has the benefit of both he and his father with Billy Graham and other evangelists who he had the opportunity of speaking with that he was always raised in the church. Mm -hmm. So now it's not whether he's a believer, it's what's the extent of his belief and finding his own journey. And he starts to find his own way. And as he finds his own way, he just starts losing those entrapments. I don't need to be drinking. I don't mm-hmm. need to be carousing. I don't need to be going out. I need to be focused in a different way. As his wife, Laura, says, the only thing he didn't give up was the profanity. But <laughs> everything else he did. So of the two books, Pence is talking his political life, and you yeah. only see him as a congressman, governor, and vice president, whereas a man of faith in Bush you see his whole life mm-hmm. and it it to your point it talks about his journey yeah. and the stuff he gave up and to the point that in 99 when he was in the the debate before 2000 the question asked was if you could only speak to one philosopher who would it be and when it got to him he said Jesus Christ mm-hmm. which shocked everybody because again whether people were people of faith or not it wasn't expressed that vocally especially in the political world. And there's a lot of people who believe it never should be. That's another interesting mm-hmm. question is, should religion be tied to politics? Because both books kind of touch on that as well. Mm-hmm. So since both books do touch on that, do they talk about needing to make decisions for a population that doesn't necessarily share the faith that they have? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because— Both books touch on the fact that in America, while there's many, many hundreds of religions, most people align themselves with Christianity. And they even use a percent as high as 70% Christianity. But realizing there's deists and atheists and agnostics and, you know, all different other kind of religions. So to the question you said, that's how both of them are Christians. The way they touch on it is the way that George W. Bush's presidency, they started doing faith-based initiatives, and that's what he called it, faith-based, because what they're talking to is people that just believe in a higher power, whatever you call that. So a God, a higher power, even in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, there's reference to the 12 steps and a higher power. So if you generalize it, that we're talking about, do you believe in a higher power? And more specifically, do you just believe that our role in this world is to make the world a better place? That I want to care for you, love for you, provide for you, protect for you. And if you generalize it like that, which is how they both do it, the issue doesn't become, yes, they're both Christians, but that's not what's in everyone's faith. Face. Mm -hmm. It does. 
George W. also talk about following in his father's footsteps because it has to be kind of weird to I was take the office of, that of the when president. You were, when you were talking about him like smoking and drinking and and in college, I was like, wait a second, he was like, especially since he shares his dad's name, like yes. <laughs> It's very obvious that he's the president's son. It's interesting. And he's the oldest mm -hmm. of the president's sons or children. Yeah. And um, even Barbara Bush talks about, again, he was, he, I would have liked W. I would have hung out with <laughs> W in high school. He was energetic. He was lively. He was funny. He was the guy that wanted to get along with everybody. He didn't necessarily have a plan. And... As the book goes out, I don't think H.W., his dad, pushes his on, pushes it on him. Mm -hmm. So H.W. had his role, which included through vice president and president. I don't think he ever set that up, uh, kind of like if you take Trump and his kids, how he's made them part of the corporation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though I think most people would say there is a Bush dynasty, he did not design that mm -hmm. for his children. So he and Barbara very much let the kids make the decisions they had to make. And I think the way the book, the book describes it, I think they were probably a little frustrated with W's kind of early mm -hmm. bouncing around. Yeah. But for, from everything I've read of them, they wanted him to find his own way. Mm -hmm. And they assumed that he eventually would. And he did. Yeah. Did pretty good job. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember, but how old was George W. when his dad was a president? Wow. Math question. I know. Forties, yeah. fifties? <laughs> okay, I figured he was an adult. Yeah, he was an adult. Yeah. Yeah, because there was only eight years between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bush leaves, Clinton's for there for eight years, and yeah. then W's there. So, you know, the difference of that. Does he talk about what it's like to have a dad that's president? They talk more about the closeness of the whole Bush family. Okay. Mm -hmm. It really is. I would have loved to have gone to Kenny Bunkport or any place they were because they they were so approachable, H.W. and Barbara. I mean, even when they went on vacation in towns that they went to. And remember, they're presidential libraries at A&M. Mm -hmm. So they had no connection to A&M before then. But to watch the affinity that the campus and the school has for the Bushes and they for them, they're, just, they're an extraordinary family in terms of how they operate and how close they are and how close the siblings are and supportive of each other. I'm sure they had their typical family dynamics, but it truly does seem like an extraordinary family. And, and even when you look at the first ladies and the women that Barbara and Laura both were, who most people would say very, very strong first ladies. Mm -hmm. Just an incredible family, I think. I'd like to read more about it. Yeah. So I actually forgot to ask, when is George W. Bush's book from? Because we obviously know that Pence's is recent. Um, but I didn't ask when he wrote this. That's a good Which question. I feel like will give us an idea of where he was. Yeah, it gives you a lot been, of context. Yeah, he's been up to a few things. Hmm. Well, I'm looking here in the front, and I'm seeing 82, 84, and then, you know, there's dates like that, which can't be right, because, you know, his presidency was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was alive. I wasn't alive during 82. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's talking about, you know, the, where this one starts is when he, you know, of course, this one tells his whole life. 
Um, but it's talking mainly about that debate in 99. Oh, okay. And the publishing group just says that they started in 1798. So oh, so that, yeah, he definitely <laughs> said, didn't write it then. 2004. 2004. Okay. Okay. That okay. makes more sense. Yes. Because I was just trying to see if it was a more recent book where he was reaching back or if it was right after his presidency, and now we know. Yeah. Hey, there's two books, and I think I've talked to one in a previous podcast. If you if you really want to know more about, you know, this is kind of his whole journey of his life focused on how faith really changed him. Mm-hmm. A closer look at him and his presidency and how he operated is a book called Decision Points, mm-hmm. which is fascinating because that's the how and the why. The more like he, he took like ten or twelve yeah. very difficult thing, 9-11 mm-hmm. being one of them, deployments being another one where he really drilled down in what all was going on, what was happening, and why he was making the decisions he was. And I can tell you from remembering that book, faith wasn't a strong discussion in that. Mm-hmm. So unlike the Pence book, where he leaves no doubt that everything he does is tied to his faith and his family, in decision points, there's not much talk yeah. of that. So he wrote his almost two separate books talking about that. Yeah. Okay. So I know we're about to bring this to a close, but you also brought a book by Richard Nixon. That's true. The bonus book. Yes. Bonus book. <laughs> so I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that one, how well, it ties in with the other ones. Or... Yeah. It's just interesting to me on the latest vacation we went to in California, we decided to go to his presidential library in Yorba Linda, California, which is incredible. Again, I'm familiar with his presidency, but most of his presidency is wiped out by Watergate. So most people only understand the corruption and what they think they know about Watergate. And it's it was so fascinating to go through and 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 remember that he started the Environmental Protection Agency. He started at Title IX. So all the the women athletes of today, that's Nixon. That did all of that. And and in my opinion, as a military guy and most of the things that I look to, probably one of the elite, if not the best, he's in the handful of the best in terms of foreign diplomacy. Mm -hmm. So there's so much that he did well that's all wiped away with the the Watergate stuff. But what I found fascinating, and he wrote this book, he's written six or seven different books. So he has a two-part book, His Memoirs. And then this is one of the later books. It's called In the Arena by Richard Nixon. And the way I would describe this book is it's the follow-on to his memoirs. Mm -hmm. So if you or I wanted to be a politician, he takes on the role of coach mentor using Mm -hmm. his entire career. And he takes 40 different aspects and using his career, the good and the bad and what he learned He's coaching Mm -hmm. people in these 40 areas. And what I was telling my brother that I was talking to right before this about this podcast, what what really struck me about this book is this book is another one that you just blow through. Mm -hmm. And and I know Nixon is very, very smart, but the ability to not only write a book, which I don't think I ever could, but if I did, I don't know that would be so easily conversant that it's you just blow through it. Yeah. And this book has so much detail, but it is so easy to read. And it's like, wow, that guy, pretty, pretty talented. But he also touched on it. And I'd already read the other two books, but it's interesting. And he's a Quaker and he Mm -hmm. talks about 
his role in faith and how important that was in his presidency. Mm -hmm. So, and again, he used it in general terms. He never pushed his faith on other people. He certainly was not as outspoken as W and Pence, but it was interesting in the book. It takes up a pretty good part of this book, how mm -hmm. important his faith was to him. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was interesting on the follow on to the other two. Yeah, definitely. No, I have and to make a semi-joking comment, though. Reading between the lines, does that mean you're thinking about running into politics? I was also going to yeah. joke about that. Yeah. Boy, that would be interesting. Um, we will have to keep everyone at bay wondering that question. I'm asked that all That's the right. time <laughs> since I left the city. And I used to give a, a hard yes or no to that. And now I think it's just more amusing to me to just leave people wondering whether that might happen. Got to leave mystery there. Mystery. It se that would seem kind of appropriate for me. We'll all have to see what the future holds. <laughs> what, a, what a beautiful note to end on. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for bringing three books and talking about uh, the presidency and vice presidency and how religion and politics can intersect. Mm -hmm. And stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye.